Welcome to Dodgers Homestand, your behind-the-scenes look at what makes the Dodgers Stadium experience so special for baseball fans and ball players alike. A unique perspective on Dodgers baseball from someone who's there for every home game and who has one of the best seats in the house. And now, your host, the public address announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgers, the voice of God in blue heaven on earth, Todd Lights. Hey, thanks for stopping by the PA booth here at Dodgers Stadium in Los Angeles, California, where the Dodgers have just defeated the San Diego Padres 4-2 before a crowd of 51,334 on a beautiful spring day here in Chavez Ravine. It was Mental Health Awareness Night here at Dodgers Stadium. And boy, the Dodgers had us biting our nails a little bit, but they pulled through and got the victory. They've won the series now, and they go for the sweep tomorrow. For the Dodgers, four runs on eight hits, two errors. Two errors coming from the infield today, one from Max Muncie and one from Mookie Betts, who was playing shortstop today. Uh, those were throwing errors on plays that they had to rush and uh, couldn't quite get the throw there in time. For the Padres, two runs on five hits and no errors, and their offensive struggles continue. And it's hard to say whether they're struggling mightily offensively or whether the Dodgers are just pitching them well. Julio Urias pitched a really good game, seven innings pitched, gave up just three hits, two runs they were earned, both of them on home runs, solo shots, no walks, which is great, four Ks. He threw 86 pitches, 64 of them strikes. He gave up two home runs, one to Juan Soto in the first inning, a solo shot to deep right field, and one to Ha-Song Kim, who's doing it again to the Dodgers. He had another solo shot in the second inning. But in the bottom of the first inning, J.D. Martinez came up with uh, Max Muncy and Freddie Freeman on base and hit a no-doubter to uh, left field, a 400-plus foot shot that gave the Dodgers the lead early, and they were able to hold on to it. They added another run later Freddie Freeman scored on a Will Smith RBI single and that was all they needed because they had Julio Arias on the mound and he had it going on he defeated Joe Musgrove who went five and two-thirds gave up eight hits four runs they were all earned four walks and five K's and he gave up the big three-run bomb to JD Martinez and that was pretty much the extent of the scoring so Martinez was uh, one for three with a three-run blast Freddie Freeman had a good day, two for three, double, single, walk, scored two runs. Mookie Betts hooked a double into the left field corner. He got a walk. Will Smith had, was one for four with an RBI single. And the bullpen made it stand up. Evan Phillips came in. He pitched a scoreless inning. Bruce Gratterall got himself into a little trouble in the ninth inning, giving up two straight singles with two outs. And then Dave Roberts came out, took the ball away from him, and brought in the lefty, Caleb Ferguson, to face Jake Cronenworth, also a left-handed hitter, and he was able to get the strikeout and the save. So the winning pitcher, Julio Urias, the losing pitcher, Joe Musgrove, and Caleb Ferguson, who got the win last night in relief, gets a save today. The game lasted only two hours and 26 minutes under sunny skies. It was a beautiful day here, 72 degrees at game time. It was the uh, Fox Saturday game of the week. So we had Joe Davis and John Smoltz in the broadcast booth for the television broadcast. And Charlie Steiner and Rick Monday did the radio call on AM570 LA Sports. A great day here at Dodger Stadium. Like I said, it was a Mental Health Awareness Day here at Dodger Stadium. And 
Yeah, we talked to Brent Walker, who's in his third season as the Dodgers Major League Mental Health Skills Coach. Yeah, the Major Leagues have mental health skills coaches for these guys uh, to make sure that their heads are screwed on straight. This is a long season. A lot, a lot of these guys are away from their homes and families. A lot of them are young and just trying to deal with living on their own, for one thing, and also playing a very difficult and, uh, and mental game. Uh, and uh, Brent is able to help the players effectively manage the pressure, overcome setbacks, and maintain their, you know, mental resiliency. Before arriving in L.A., he served as the Associate Athletic Director for Championship Performance at Columbia University in New York. He directed all mental preparation and oversaw leadership there, mental health, sports nutrition, and analytics within that department. So that's kind of a really interesting career path for somebody. Uh, He completed his undergraduate education at Bradley University, played baseball and basketball, and has a master's degree with an emphasis in sports psychology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, a master's degree with an emphasis in mental health counseling from Columbia University, and a doctorate with an emphasis in sports psychology from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. So, you know, that's a career path that takes some uh, serious study. He has a couple master's degrees and a Ph.D., so you know he's not messing around when it comes to his academia. But that was really cool to hear from him and hear a little bit about, you know, what it takes to make sure that these players, you know, just keep a steady, steady head and have uh, have good mental health. We also had a group called Merging Vets and Players, also known as MVP, and they're a group that's committed to helping connect combat veterans and former professional athletes and helping them all transition to civilian life. So MVP provides veterans and formal athletes with weekly peer-to-peer support sessions, clinical therapy support, uh, physical fitness classes, and a support system where members experience an ecosystem of support. And the three representatives we had are the, uh, one of the co-founders of MVP, a retired Army Staff Sergeant for the Special Forces, former NFL player Nate Boyer, and uh, we also had uh, former NFL player and 2009 Super Bowl champ Richard Mendenhall, as well as uh, a retired Army captain and Bronze Star recipient, Greg Gregorian. And they represent merging vets and players. So they really do a great job of providing military and community of athletes with a safe place to improve their mental and physical well-being. So a really, uh, really cool group that we honored before the game. Our national anthem was pretty nice. It was another repeat performer accompanied by Dodger Stadium organist Dieter Ruhl. Uh, she's a contemporary Christian singer and did a really beautiful version of the national anthem, Mandy Pinto, and she's been here a few times singing for us. We also had a couple representatives from the Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health. Dr. Lisa Wong, who's the director of the Department of Mental Health, and Alexandria Britton. And Dr. Wong is a lifelong advocate for vulnerable populations and social justice issues. She's been with the L.A. County Department of Mental Health for, she's more than 30 years now, and now serves as the department's director, as I mentioned. And as part of Mental Health Awareness Month, which is going on right now, Dr. Wong is trying to remind everybody that, hey, it's okay to seek support for your mental health and well-being. It's important. Uh, don't don't sleep on that. Don't uh, don't think that you can just kind of grin and bear it because it's it's a serious part of your health and it's uh, you know it's important to reach out and seek the services that are available to you. And Alexandria Britton was somebody who was homeless for a while and she de- joined the Department of Mental Health as a volunteer back in 2003. So she's been there 20 years. 
and she had a mission to help try to break down the stigma surrounding mental illness. And today she's an employee at the department and an advocate to prevent homelessness and promote mental health for Los Angeles County community members. There's many people that are experiencing homelessness that are suffering from uh, various stages of mental illness, and it's very important for outreach to take that into account. So we were very proud to honor their work in supporting the mental health of uh, our Los Angeles community. And they threw out a ceremonial first pitch to uh, Austin Barnes and Evan Phillips, who came out to uh, receive those pitches. Our military hero of the game tonight was a United States Army Reserve Sergeant, Daniel Carlos, a helicopter pilot who began his service back in 2007. He had over 1,900 flight hours in the famous UH-60 Black Hawk helicopter, serving as a crew chief and flight instructor. And those hours consisted of conducting more than 200 successful combat flight missions, along with 15 combat medical evac rescues in the Middle East. So some pretty important and treacherous work that he was doing. He's also been deployed on, on multiple missions stateside to aid people during natural disasters such as Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Fred. And he was originally from Michoacan, Mexico, and he currently works as a civilian flight engineer for the Army, training new Army crew chiefs and flight paramedics. So some important work that Staff Sergeant Daniel Carlos is doing, and we honored him out on the third baseline saying, Staff Sergeant Daniel Carlos, thank you for your service, sacrifice, and dedication to our country. So that's what went down here at Chavez Ravine on Mental Health Awareness Night as the Dodgers defeated the Padres 4-2. They've taken the first two games of this three-game series, and they go for the sweep tomorrow with a 1.10 p.m. start. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is on the mound for us tomorrow, the Catman himself, and we're looking forward to a good game. So I had a brief chance today to talk to somebody I've wanted to uh, interview for some time now, uh, he's kind of one of my heroes when it comes to uh, the people who cover the Dodgers. He is David Vasse, who is the Dodger insider for AM570 LA Sports, which is the Dodgers' flagship station. You can hear all the Dodger radio broadcasts, as well as post-game Dodger talk uh, on AM570 LA Sports. And, and David hosts post-game Dodger talk. And he's really a fixture here at Dodger Stadium. He comes to the ballpark early, and he does Dodger talk late into the night. And he's just a not only a great guy, but a really fine reporter and does a really wonderful job uh, covering the Dodgers from the very inside. He has some of the greatest insight that I've heard in a long time about a baseball team. Of course, I'm kind of biased because I'm covering the Dodgers, and, and so is he. But I really appreciated him taking a few minutes to talk with me and unfortunately we only had a brief few minutes because I had to go back and do my job here in the PA booth but I, I cornered him in the press box and we had a chance to talk and here's that conversation. First of all as an 818 guy growing up here in LA loving your sports teams here what's so special about Dodger Stadium in your in your eyes? Wow, that's a, a great question because I've been coming here since I've been in fifth grade. So I just feel like the allure of the Dodgers themselves is a big draw to come out to Dodger Stadium. And when you first get here, you come up that mountain and you see the stadium built into the mountain itself. It's so beautiful. What a great scene. And then once I think when I first got here, Todd, uh, 
when I first got to Dodger Stadium, my first game ever was on the reserve level. So if you've ever been to a game on the reserve level, you don't see the field when you're on the concourse getting your Dodger dog. You have to go through uh, a little bit of a tunnel to see the field. And once you see it, it, it's amazing. It's one of the most breathtaking sights that you would ever see, especially from that view. It reminds me of going to the Rose Bowl and you go through the tunnel to your seat and there it is. So I would put it in that category. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, because you, you've been to every ballpark in Major League Baseball, I would imagine. How does this rank among all the beautiful ballparks that you've seen? I'm, I'm a big nostalgic guy. Maybe that's why I love baseball so much, because of the nostalgia. But I'm not sure at this point in time people realize that Dodger Stadium is the third oldest ballpark in Major League Baseball behind Fenway Park and Wrigley Field. And because we come here every day, and if you're a fan, you come here probably 10 to 20 times a year at least, you take it for granted that this place is the third oldest in baseball, but yet it's as modern as any of the other newer ballparks, but still has that charm that the others don't. So for me, those three, the three oldest, are still the best. I know there's others that have a great view of the ocean. They have great concession, great food, great settings in downtown. Great view of the bridge in the back. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. stuff. But that doesn't compare to anything that we have here at Dodger Stadium. And I'm not just saying this because we work here on a daily basis, but what they've been able to do to modernize the stadium and to do what they've done in center field and my favorite, the home run seats, but yet still keep the integrity of the stadium that was built in 1962, it's really special. Yeah, totally. And you have access to parts of the ballpark that most people don't get to see. Yeah. The places where the players work out, the batting cages, the clubhouse and stuff. How's that How's that look down there? Because I've never, I've never had a chance to go down there. Yeah, well, I'm old enough to know what it looked like before. Mm. Uh, my first Dodger game I ever covered was Mike Piazza's last one wow. in 1998. So I remember the way the old clubhouse looked before they did that great renovation underneath. And it was very small. There was no place to really go other than your locker mm. in that clubhouse. They had a very small food room. Uh, the weights were kind of adjacent to the batting cage. There was only one batting cage for both the Dodgers and the visiting team to use. The visiting team had to pass through the Dodger clubhouse the way it was set up before to use the batting cage, and that would create a lot of resentment from the Dodger players. But now, I mean, it's state-of-the-art. They've got – it's basically two levels underground. First level is – where you see guys come out for the dugout, and also next to it is a weight room, a quiet room, a massage room, and then you go upstairs, and that's the way that you lead down to the bullpen, and there's other different areas leading up to the clubhouse. It's humongous. So many places for players to go, eat, hang out, maybe get away. It's it's humongous and probably one of the best in baseball from what I've seen. Wow, cool. What's your favorite place in Dodger Stadium what's your what's like mm. what's that one place that My you go to yeah, to find that little solace a little little calm in the storm well you know I'm a skinny fat guy I'm not in Todd Light shape here so any place I could get some tacos or Dodger dogs is my favorite but I've always loved the loge level I love uh, sitting behind home plate on the loge level it's a great 
view of the game and you get to see every shaded yeah shaded and also you get to see the game better than you would being on the field level yeah that's why i love our perspective here on the press box because you can tell when somebody hits it you know yeah. you you know you're not often fooled you're like oh we got that one or that's a double or yeah. whatever I will say this, though. I have gone out to visit friends that have bought those home run seats right on the uh, on the wall of the outfield. Todd, I would say that would be the ticket I would buy if yeah. I came to a game. That would be the spot because, number one, those outfielders, whether it's Dodgers or a visiting player, they interact with the fans. I've seen it. You call out their name before a pitch is thrown, and they'll look back and wave. And also, the food is brought to you. It's one of the most unique spots in Dodger Stadium that has never been there before. It was empty between the pavilion and the wall. Now, there's home run seats. I would, If you're a Dodger fan, trust me, you have to get those tickets. Just keep your head on a swivel and watch those nachos, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe a, a player like Justin Turner will buy you new nachos if you spill. <laughs> Oh man, I, I wish we could talk longer. Maybe we can later on yeah. in the season, but I got to go to great. work. I love that voice. Best voice in baseball. Oh, that's what I was waiting for. Yeah, thanks, Todd. So there he is, David Vasse from AM570 LA Sports, your inside Dodger reporter. Hey, tune him in after the games on AM570. It's uh, it's fun to listen to, and you learn a lot about the Dodgers and what's going on in baseball uh, from David, who's uh, he's really he's really dedicated. So I buttered him up enough. That's our episode for today, May the 13th. The Dodgers defeat the San Diego Padres 4-2, mostly on the strength of a three-run blast in the first inning by J.D. Martinez and a great pitching performance from Julio Urias. Tomorrow we go for the sweep with Tony Gonsolin on the mound. Thanks for listening to Dodgers Homestand. I'm Todd Lights, PA announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we'll see you at the ballpark. Thank you for listening to Dodgers Homestand with stadium announcer Todd Lights, taking you behind the scenes at Chavez Ravine and giving you a bird's eye view of Dodgers baseball both on and off the field. Join us for our next episode, and if you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts.